Welcome to the audio channel of Dr. Sadaf. Preach Christ, teach the Bible, make disciples. This morning I'm going to preach to you on the topic of the way. And I'd ask the congregation to stand and please turn to Psalm chapter 1 as we will first pray and then read the Word of God. Let us pray. And now we humble ourselves before God Almighty, whose grace has gifted us and whose love has saved us. Patiently now we wait for thee. Your word is a lamp to our paths and a light to our feet. May the Holy Spirit strengthen your servant to deliver a word of power so that many to Jesus will come and meet. Amen. Amen. So Psalm 1, verses 1 to 6, the New American Standard says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like a chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Please be seated. Beloved, I have three questions for the church today. Number one, what practical advice has God given you for everyday life? Question number two, how do you, how can you become blessed? Question number three, how can you be sure that you are being formed by Jesus Christ. Now these are three diverse questions, but they have an answer in one common place, the book of Psalms. And my intent this morning in my sermon called The Way, I hope to equip you with answers to all three of these questions by describing the instruction, the blueprint, the map of the way that God draws out for us in Psalm chapter 1. So let's take a step back. I said the answer to these questions can be found in the book of Psalms. So what are the book of Psalms? In the Hebrew Bible, the book of Psalms was called the book of praises. In the book of praises, God is the gravitational center of the entire universe. Everything revolves, rotates, and is centered around him. Psalms contains poetry about God. It contains prayers to God, and it has praise of God. So you can read the rest of the Bible and obtain doctrine and historical narratives and parables, and all of that is wonderful. But when you read the Psalms, that's where you get your thunder. 
That's where you get the fire in your bones. That's where you hear about real life people going through real life problems and their hearts are aching after, longing after, praying to a God that they're seeking for help. So I'm gonna to get to one of my first answers already. I ask at the top, what practical advice has God given us for everyday life? Answer. In the Psalms, God gives us the map to interpret and respond to life. It is the map that allows us to respond to unexpected situations. So Psalm gives us a map to navigate life. So if you are someone who doesn't immerse yourself in the Psalms, what happens? Now you have no map. You don't see where life is going. So in this situation, life now becomes as a surprise. Things happen, you never saw it coming. And when something bad happens, it's unexpected. It knocks you down at your feet. And because you have no map, you can never see where any of this is going. So adversity leads to anger. Anger leads to bitterness. Bitterness leads to meaninglessness. And meaninglessness leads to despair and a lack of hope. Without the map of the Psalms, the only one you can have faith in is yourself. The only thing you can say is, I'll deal with life as it comes along. But when you immerse yourself in the Psalms now, you now have the map that God has given you. He took his divine finger and actually carved out the map which you are now following. So now what happens? Now life becomes expected. There are certain hardships, there are certain tribulations which you can see coming because you have the map. And because you have the map, you don't have to put faith in yourself. You put your faith in the map maker. And because you have the map in times of adversity, you can see where all of this is going. You can see there's a purpose. You can see there's an intent. So you don't have meaninglessness. You have meaning. You can develop things like, oh, I can now see suffering is not for nothing. And because life now has meaning, you now have hope in Jesus Christ. The Psalms also give us the language we use to interpret life. Perfect example, when Jesus was being tortured on the cross, he didn't respond to his situation with his own language. He responded with the language of the Psalms. He recited Psalm 22. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He used the language of the Psalms to interpret his reality. So he didn't rely on his own human understanding to say, look at everything that's happening to me. This looks like things are going bad. Something must have gone wrong. No, he used the language of the Psalms which said, God, I feel broken. I feel as if you've departed me and things are going really bad. But I know and realize you drew the map and I see where all of this is going and I put faith in you. And that Psalm begins with sorrow, but it ends up putting its trust and faith into God Almighty because the Psalms give us the language we use to interpret life. So although life may seem unpredictable, 
The Psalms give us the assurance there's a predictable and eternal God above and behind everything going on in this life. So we zoomed out. We zoomed out now and took a broad look at the Psalms in general. So now let's zoom in. Let's zoom into our theme verse in Psalm number one. Now the first thing we have to realize is this. Psalm one is not Psalm one by accident. There's a reason Psalm one is number one. It's a gateway. It's a door, it's a wisdom psalm, it's a meditation to prompt us to open our eyes and to pierce our hearts for what's next. Psalm 1 is the door that leads us into Psalm number 2 through 150. Psalm 1 primes us for what's next by describing the two ways. As an adult, there are two choices you're going to make in your life. Which way are you going to go? And someone describes the two ways. And when I say way, I mean a way of thinking, a worldview, worship, morality, ethics, relationships, things that motivate and drive you. And someone says there are only two ways. There's the way of the godly, and there's the way of the ungodly. There's the way of the righteous, and there's the way of the wicked. There's the blessed lane, and then there's the fast lane. Which path are you going to choose? Someone is a signpost that says, the decisions you make now actually have relevance in eternity. In other words, right now counts forever, and you should consider forever when you make a choice right now. Because Psalm 1 is a signpost that says eternity matters more than the present. So let's zoom in some more. So Psalm 1 is a signpost that says there are two ways. We have now chosen the way of the godly, the righteous path. And we have the map of Psalms in our hands and we take our first step along that righteous path. And what does the map say? It said, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. What is the first word? Blessed. Blessed is the man who? He, blessed comes from a Hebrew word which is plural, it's not singular. So when the psalm speaks of blessed, it doesn't refer to blessings in one area of your life. It's plural. The actual Hebrew root means happiness, but it means more than happiness. It means happiness and well-being in all areas of your life. So you're not just blessed economically. You're not just blessed in your job. You're not just blessed in your relationships. You're not just blessed in good health. You're blessed in all of that. 
Because when God makes you blessed, he never gives you a half slice of the pie. He wants an all-encompassing blessed, which touches every single area of your life. This is where the world gets it wrong. The world thinks if you become rich, you are blessed. God says, I can do so much better. I can give you good health. I can, you know what I'm talking about. So blessed is. What does this tell us? This is telling us right out of the gate in Psalm 1 that blessedness, that happiness is possible because it says blessed is the man who doesn't do certain things and does do certain things. God never intended for you to be sad all the time. He never intended for you not to have well-being. He never intended for you to be downtrodden all the time because he's telling us right here in Psalm 1, blessed is the man who doesn't do certain things, who walks not, stands not, sits not, and whose delight is in the law of the Lord. So happiness is possible. What does it also tell us? It said, blessed is the man who doesn't do certain things, does do certain things. This, this is so crucial. And here's the answer to the second question. How do you become blessed? Here is the answer. Being blessed is a choice. It doesn't just happen. It's not a fairy tale. It's not wishful thinking. It is a purposeful choice. How could I say that? I'm not saying anything. God is telling us. The psalm says, blessed is the man who, and it characterizes the blessed person. They're characterized by a person who does not do three things, walks in the counsel of the wicked, stands in the path of sinners, and sit in the seat of scoffers. And they're also characterized by delighting in the law of the Lord. Blessed, being blessed is a choice. And the Psalm 1 tells us being blessed is characterized by what it is and what it isn't. What you're not doing and what you're doing. Being blessed means not only turning away from doing certain things, but then actively doing others. And look at how the world messed this up. Psalm 1 tells us, blessed is the person who doesn't do certain things, does do certain things. And in that activity, what are they following? What are they actively engaging with? God, who is the gravitational center of the entire book of Psalms. Psalm 1 is telling us the key to a happy life is to do what? Is to turn away from things of the world and to pursue God. And in the pursuit of God, then you will get blessed. It's a side effect of pursuing God. The world flips that around. The world wants you to pursue the blessing. They want you to pursue happiness. But what they're failing to realize is that the blessedness is an experience of something greater. It's a side effect of chasing after God. Ecclesiastes tells us that God put eternity in our hearts. 
If you have an eternal hole in your heart, what is the only thing that can fill it? Eternity. By a living, breathing, he has risen, eternal God. So when you have an eternal hole that is filled by an eternal God, then you become happy. Then you become blessed. Because if you have an eternal hole in your heart and you chase after alcohol, you chase after fame, you chase after whatever it is, it can't fill the eternal hole. So you're not going to be happy. You can't name it and claim it because God is not a functional savior to be used in pursuit of something material. He's greater than that because he is eternal. So the eternal hole in our hearts can only be filled by an eternal God. And blessedness is the experience that we have in pursuit of God. And this in the 21st century actually informs how we think about addiction. Because people who are addicted haven't read Psalm number one. You could be addicted to anything. It could be pornography, it could be gossip, it could be social media. And what you're trying to do in that addiction is you're trying to fill that eternal hole, but that desire never gets quenched. And you keep chasing and chasing and shaking, chasing and never find yourself satisfied because what you need is blessedness. What you need is happiness. What you need is well-being. And the only thing that can fill that eternal gap is an eternal God. So the answer to the second question, how do you become blessed? The answer is you choose God. And blessedness is a side effect of choosing to walk in the way of God. So when we choose God, what does that choice look like? What does that choice specifically look like in our everyday lives? I want you to turn to the person next to you and ask them, what do your choices look like? So blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. No, the text doesn't say blessed is the man who doesn't walk with the wicked. It said blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. What does this mean? Counsel refers to ideologies. Counsel refers to new ideas. And the counsel of the wicked is something dangerous because it can be influenced. It's malleable, it can be changed. And because it's persuadable, it creates instability on all levels. Perfect example, if you ask someone what the ideal form of government was a thousand years ago, they would say something like feudalism. If you ask someone the same question 300 years ago, they would say a monarchy, king and queen. You ask the person now in the West, they'll say the ideal political system is a democracy. What do you see? That the council is changing. Ideas are changing. Ideas are being voted up. Ideas have been voting down. Things that were once popular now become unpopular. And that's the downfall of the council of the wicked because it's not perfect. And as a result of it not being perfect, it can be influenced, persuaded, and changed. 
And when you listen to something that's not perfect, which hasn't reached a state of perfection, you're gonna be following counsel that's bad advice. And this is the reason why the blessed person does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. The counsel of the wicked actually informs people of how they process the sovereignty of God. The wicked will look in the mirror and say, do as thou wilt. But the blessed person will look up to heaven and say, thy will be done. Because the counsel of the godly person says, God is sovereign. I can never override the map maker. But the wicked have it in reverse and say, I am the crown prince of my entire reality. Blessed is the man who does, not, who does not stand in the way of sinners, and blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of scoffers. A scoffer is someone who ridicules God and ridicules God's law. And in the context of when the psalm was written, sitting implies association which is why when Jesus sat with tax collectors or when he sat with prostitutes, there was an implication of association. So when you sit in the seats of scoffers, it's implied you relate to them, they're your buddies, you enjoin in their ideology. And look what the verse is saying. It says, blessed is the person who does not walk, who does not stand, who does not sit. It's the downward pull of sin. You begin by casually walking by, just taking a quick peek. Now you're standing, getting comfortable. Now you're sitting, getting real comfortable. The sin that used to bother you, that used to pierce your heart, now you love doing it and it's your new way of life because you went from walking to standing to sitting. And blessed is the person who does not do that. So what does the blessed person do? Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, what have you meditated on the most in the last week? Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. What does this mean? Delight comes from a Hebrew root, meaning to take pleasure in, to see something as valuable. And law of the Lord means more than just rules or commandments. Someone who delights in the law of the Lord doesn't read Leviticus and say, that was a great read. That's not what this is talking about. The law of the Lord refers to the Torah, the full breath, the counsel, God's wisdom, his instruction, his blueprint for life in the full counsel of his word. So the person who delights in the law of the Lord, sees this as more than words written on paper. They see it more than just, it's not something vain. It's a source of life itself. And it's living, breathing, inspiring words that animates people and transform lives. And someone who delights in the law of the Lord likes for God to tell them what to do. If there ever was a barometer for what it means to delight in God's law is mean you take whatever you thought you think and when you put it up to God, even if it makes you feel unsettled, even if you don't like what you hear, you look to God and say, thy will be done. 
And whatever I thought I thought, or whatever I felt I felt, I serve you because you, God, are my boss. I delight for you to tell me what to do. So the third question that I asked the top was how can you know that you are being formed by Christ? And the answer is simple, you delight in the law of the Lord. You delight in God's instruction, which is the medium by which a person can learn the will of God and store up that learning on their heart so it shapes their consciousness. There's a saying, you are what you eat. And that's true. If you eat bad stuff, you're going to feel bad. You're going to think bad. And if you look in the mirror, you're going to look <laughs> But if you eat clean stuff, you're going to feel good. You're going to have good thoughts. And you're going to look good. Because you are what you eat. And so if you're digesting the word of God now on a daily basis and delighting in his word and meditating on it and chewing on it and reading it, what you're now doing is you're taking the eternal word of God and making deposits in your heart day by day, step by step, piece by piece. And what do you think is going to happen when a cold, sinful, dark, plagued with sin human heart comes face to face with the eternal word of God. The heart doesn't stand a chance. As Psalm 3731 says, the law of God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The words come into your soul, into your being, and you are what you eat. It begins going in your capillaries and nourishing your brain cells. It feeds the fibers of your muscles. Your stomach changed. You used to have indigestion. Now you feel good when you're eating the word of God. It used to give you GERD symptoms and burning in your chest when you read the Psalms. Now you love it because it's changing you from the inside. The old ways you used to engage in are now gone because the word is transforming you. Because when a human being delights and digests in God's word, you are what you eat and it abides in you and you become a living, breathing manifestation of the law of God. Because the word is the medium God as the potter uses to mold us and shape us as the potter molds the clay. So how you know you are being formed by Christ is when you delight in the law of the Lord and you no longer yearn after it just to win a debate or just to make yourself sound smart, but you're like a little child crying its head off for the spiritual milk of God's word because you want to feed on it, you want to live, and you want the life that is in the milk of the power of God's word. So how can you know you're being formed by Christ? You delight in the instruction of God's word. Now, I don't want to be accused of reading into the text too much. But when we read Psalm 1, who do we think these verses are talking about? Me. 
the blessed person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who stands not in the way of sinners, who sits not in the seat of scoffers, and his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. We as human beings may be able to execute the demands of this verse so-so every now and then. But there is only one person in the history of the Bible who delighted and fulfilled the perfect will of God perfectly all the time. And his name is Jesus Christ. And the entire Psalms as a vehicle paints a figure, it paints a a portrait of a messianic king of one to come who fully and completely obey the the requirements of God's law. So when we think about the way, the road to salvation, which the Father drew out and built for us before the foundation of the world, we look forward to Jesus and realize he was the one who perfectly walked the way thousands of years ago. And as each of our steps are guided by the bricks of God's word, we hold the lamp in our hands, which is the Holy Spirit, which is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path that guides us along the way. Now, if you've listened to my words and considered the depth and the gravity of God's law, of his instruction, and you are overwhelmed by its requirements and its commandments, then you're really thinking. Because you are true in making the realization that it is impossible to perfectly obey and follow all of God's instruction all of the time. Left to your own devices, it cannot be done. But the good news is this. There is one that has already come who already did the hard work for you. So when it comes to walking in the way, we're not trusting in, we're not having faith in ourselves to walk perfectly. We have faith in the one who already did it, and his name is Jesus. And as we walk in the way, we see his footprints, and we see the blood-stained footprints that he walked as he walked down the Via Dolorosa, the road of sorrows, walking the way. So in closing, I want to implore everyone this week, as we meditate, we think about, and we process the way, and how walking in line with God's Torah, his instruction, reflects upon our character, what we're digesting on, and what we're feeding upon. We have to remember the words that speak to us, that point forward for Jesus to come in the beginning of Psalm 1. And that as blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it. Not once a year, not once a month, not every now and then, but he meditates on it day and night as a young child hungry and starving after the power, the breath, and the life-giving transformative spiritual milk that is the instruction of God's law. Church, God bless you.
Thank you for listening to this sermon by Dr. Sadoffel. For more valuable content and resources, please visit wcsk.org.